Should we reconsider this whole Josh Dobbs thing? And if not now, what would it take? Welcome to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Luke Braun. Thank you so much for hanging out. And thank you so much for those of you who hang out every single day. My hashtag everydayers, love to hear from you. You can find this show if you are new anywhere you find your favorite show, Monday through Friday. You can find it all over the place, including Sirius XM, which we are partnered with. You can also find live streams of uh, radio broadcasts of all Vikings games on the Sirius XM app and on Sirius XM radio. You can also find this show on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And if you are on YouTube, wait till the end and you will be uh, redirected to a 24-7 Locked on Minnesota sports live stream, all locked on Minnesota shows, including this one, but Wolves Wild, all of that 24 seven great background listening. Just kick that thing on in the background and forget about it. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today, it is Twitter Tuesday, so I am going to answer your questions. If you want to send me a question, you can always do so at NFL or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. I got a lot of them, all like random times throughout the week. Love it. Thank you guys so much. I think I got to your concerns here in one way or another. A lot of repeat questions. Um, you can also send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com if you got something longer or fill out the Google form in the show notes. Same deal. Leave me a YouTube comment. Maybe I'll get it there as well. So the first one I'm going to answer comes from Ryan, who says, are people overreacting to Dobbs's performance? Compare him to other QBs recently against the Broncos, and it looks better. Okay, so you're co- getting at something kind of funny. Um, I'm kind of pairing this with the next question, which is from Caleb Tacroni, who asks, Jaron Hall? <laughs> um, so I don't know if I've heard a lot of this, but it's at least an interesting thing to talk about, which is, you know, where's the leash at, right? Um, that was kind of my first like question is, okay, so did this change anything for us? Um, that was like the kind of first thought that I had on the postcast, which I do with uh, Sam Ekstrom on the Lockdown Minnesota Sports YouTube channel after every single game. You can go catch us live and hop in the chat. Um, so I have not seen a lot of people saying, let's get rid of Dobbs, right? I So I don't think people are overreacting. I don't think people are reacting very strongly uh, to begin with. Um, compared to other QBs recently against the Broncos. So if you look at what Mahomes and then Josh Allen did against the Broncos, they both had like a couple of their worst games of the year. So it's like, all right, good, good defense, right? Maybe we adjust things a little bit. I, sure, right? I'll, I'll give you that. Um, in terms of the question about like, should we start Jaron Hall? So I guess you have to ask yourself, like, at what point do you say this is no longer the hot hand, right? Um, Dobbs is in the worst circumstance, right? Mullins spent camp with the Vikings. Jaron Hall spent camp with the Vikings. Josh Dobbs still learning the playbook, right? And probably will be in like behind that eight ball all season, right? This is not something that just like gets taken care of in 10 days. This is something that is going to affect you all year. 
And in fact, I'm going to skip ahead to another question to kind of help answer this from Pellyvike, who had a very long question. I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, basically the idea is, is Dobbs's knowledge of the playbook confining Kevin O'Connell to certain plays? And is that why we've seen like limited play calling in certain situations? Um, and there might be something to that. So here's the deal. O'Connell has insisted, and I do kind of believe him, like the plays that I have seen don't feel limited. Like he has the full complement of what they will plan for that week. They're not giving him truncated game plans. But what they don't have access to, something that um, Kirk Cousins talked about in a clinic that he did in like 2020, I think. It was a Zoom thing. Um, it was like very Zoom, like very COVID. So I'm pretty sure it was 2020. And it was... He, he was talking about with Charles Davis about how game plans layer week to week to week to week. Something that you planned against the Chargers for week three might come up against the Bears in week 12, right? Oh, hey, they play the same front a lot. Well, let's use that thing we used against the Chargers. And you don't have to spend practice time on that because everybody remembers it from, oh, yeah, hey, remember that thing we did in the Chargers game? We're doing that again this week. Minimal practice time, right? Maybe you walk through it a couple times as a refresher, but it's like easier than installing, right? Well, if you're going to do that with Dobbs, you've just like totally lost access to all of that other stuff. So there might be some limitations in terms of the the how many clubs are in the bag. You're still showing up with a game plan that you feel good about, right? You're, you're, you're coming up with something that you feel like, okay, this can win the game. We got to run it. So I, I think it excuses some, but not a lot. Um, that said... If Dobbs has a total meltdown and he is no longer the hot hand, you get that back if you go to Jaron Hall. I don't think we're there yet at all. But that's where the calculus is, right? That there is an advantage. They don't have to live like this. They're choosing to live like this. And I think that decision is defensible and correct. But they are choosing to live like this. And there, there's pros and cons on the other side, right? Um, next question comes from Cody Schoenman, who asks, do you think Dobbs' performance against the Broncos increased the likelihood that the Vikings will re-sign Kirk this offseason? So I don't think it goes like game by game like that. Um, but here's the way this calculus is going to go, right? At the end of the season, they'll have this conversation before they even reach out to Kirk. They'll probably go internally and say, okay, let's talk about how we feel, right? Do we want Kirk back? And... It's really hard. I think it, you would have to feel like, God, we're just so doomed without Kirk. And you already won two games. So it's really hard to feel that way. And losing this Broncos game by one, you know, you, you don't walk away from that game feeling like, God, the Vikings are never going to win a game again. You know, maybe you do because it hurts. But <laughs> like, you don't you don't look at that game and say they can't do anything right. And, and the fact that they don't have Kirk Cousins, gosh, they're, they're going to be six and 11. They won't win another game. all Like nobody's predicting that. And I think that's how the Dobbs experiment was going to have to go to like increase the likelihood of Kirk Cousins and like make you feel like this is so necessary that we just got to back up the Brinks truck and we just got to deal with the Achilles thing and we just got to go like capitulate to other terms. Um, I think as the Vikings see what mobility does to this co this O'Connell offense, I think that might make them a little bit more keen on yeah, Well, what about a young guy? Like, what about, you know, this LSU kid? Or what about, like, trying to hold out for one of these these younger, all these quarterbacks running around now, Penix, but Bo Nix, all these guys. They all run some. Um, Drake May, all these guys. So now that we've seen mobility, going back to the non-mobile guy, 
feels not as likely to me. Um, but the Broncos game's impact on that, I don't think is particularly different than the Saints games. I think the Falcons game is the only one you're going to kind of throw out because that was obviously like we're just like totally in improv mode and things were so chaotic and crazy that that one you probably just have to throw out as as a lot of outlier things. But the Bears game and the Bengals and the two Lions games and everything that they do from here on out will affect that. But I don't think one game will affect it any more than the other unless one is like a particularly good or particularly bad outcome. Tyler says, happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate the great content on my morning drive. Broncos chipped away with a ton of checkdowns on the last drive. Is it realistic to expect a change to take away the little check down mid drive, or is it that much of a, a lack of trust on the back end? Uh, so first off, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, hashtag every day. I appreciate it. So on the last drive, a whole bunch of people asked me what happened on that last drive with the checkdowns. So the Vikings were zoning off. They did not do man-to-man coverage. And I guess that's fair because in man-to-man, that's when a lot of the, the worst things happen to like Makai Blackman on Cortland Sutton, right? So they were also in seven-man coverages instead of what they had been in when they back off into zone the whole game, they were in eight-man coverages, rush three, right? They had backed off into seven-man coverages, totally normal stuff, which takes away one of the zones. So think about Tampa 2. Two high... high uh, safeties one tampa runner that's sort of a de facto third deep defender and that takes away the middle zone if you think about vanilla cover two with your two high safeties five underneath zones splitting the short part of the field into five areas the difference in tampa two is that the middle guy goes deeper meaning that the middle short part in tampa two is now vacated so a spot route over the middle is really good against tampa two When you drop eight, you get both of those guys. You can have your runner and you can have another guy in the middle. But the Vikings didn't drop eight. They took that middle guy out. They put him back into the pass rush. And lo and behold, that space was available. Um, Other versions of this in their cover three or their quarters or whatever, like other versions of that happened. I think taking that guy out of the coverage made there be more room than you wish that there was. Uh, I, I said a lot about tackling in the immediate aftermath of the game i think i was just wrong about that that it was fine but there was a lot more room because they they stopped doing the drop eight stuff and i think they went away from their identity a little bit which is maybe one flores would want back i've got a whole bunch more questions to get to so we're going to keep it rolling here on the locked on vikings podcast today's episode of locked on vikings is brought to you by game time game time is a great way to get last minute tickets flash deals on nfl games but also uh, nba games you know wolves games you want to go to a wild game concerts theater all kinds of stuff if you have an on the whim decision i want to go to an event but you don't want to pay those marked up crazy last minute prices check out the game time app it's a great way to get yourself set up with seats. You can see the uh, like a picture of the seats before you buy, so you know you're getting a view that you're satisfied with. And they have the game time guarantee, which means that if you find the same section in the same row at a lower price somewhere else, tell game time about it, they will uh, credit you 110% of the difference. They are that ex- uh, confident in their prices. They're the best price in town. So download the game time app, Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is also sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online therapy made easy. If you've been thinking about getting into therapy, but that can be kind of a mental hurdle to go through. A lot of people think of therapy as something that like implies that there's something wrong with you. I think that that's a whole bunch of nonsense. For me, at least, therapy has been a maintenance thing. I've been going to therapy for years, and it has been a fantastic boost to my well-being over the years, whether things are going well or, or or they aren't. But therapy can be something that's very intimidating if you go call up a therapist and they're not right for you and you're like, this sucks, therapy sucks. Try a different one. You might be astonished at how different they are and BetterHelp can help you uh, switch from one therapist to another free of charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Moving right along with this episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Once again, if you are watching on YouTube, check out the uh Locked On Minnesota Sports YouTube channel, and they're live 24-7, Locked On Minnesota Sports, uh, basically a TV channel. It's a TV channel, but on YouTube, or, or just go check it out at the Locked On Minnesota Sports YouTube page. Nobody else is doing this on YouTube, 24-7, uh, half-hour podcasts on all Minnesota sports. There's also on the Locked On NFL channel, uh, you can find one that is like a whole, all sports everywhere from baseball, basketball, and of course the football shows. Let's move on with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Uh, next one comes from Bradley Knorr, who said, if the playoffs started today, how well do you think we could do if we played turnover-free football? Hey man, you don't turn the ball over, you can beat anybody. I believe that is just a truism of the NFL. You don't turn the ball over, you can beat anybody. You look at the bad teams in the NFL, you go, what do you mean the Giants can't beat anyone? They turn the ball over a lot. You take that away, they become a better team. And I think as long as you're you're close, you can beat anybody. They say any give you, any given Sunday, that's a cliche for a reason. Get Quacken says, why did the O-line crumble this game after performing well against other great D-lines? Um, so I, I looked at this and I think it's part of it is just they had a bad day, right? NFL stands for not for long, right? Speaking of cliches, um, they they have, you know, you have three good games in a row and then you have a bad one. That's why it's a week to week thing, right? And there's 17 of them. Um, I thought Bradbury had a bad day. I thought Ingram had a bad day. I thought Reisner had a bad day. I thought Darius had a bad day for his standards. O'Neal had his like, I think everybody just like took some L's. But beyond that, I do think Josh Dobbs had a lot to do with it. Um, bailing on pockets he didn't need to bail on. When he did bail, he took particular angles that made the blocks look worse than they were. Um, I mean, if you've been listening to this show for a long time and a lot of people are very frustrated with me for saying some of the same things about Cousins, but the quarterback owns their pressure a lot, right? And the fact that Dobbs goes through his reads pretty slowly, and that's understandable, but it's still true, uh, is going to just make everything a lot harder on the offensive line. I think he has to take some share of that blame. Jacob Conoy says, was that disastrous one-minute drill mainly a problem of Dobbs, KOC, Broncos defense, or a combination of the three? I think you have to take that play-by-play. -play. A lot of it was what I talked about with Dobbs, um, just bailing on stuff he did not need to bail on. Uh, there are things that were breaking open that if he just hitched one more time, he would have had it, and the pressure wasn't that close, right? Uh, so part of it's that, for sure. I do think Dobbs takes some of it. I don't hate the play calling necessarily. Um, I mean, it, it gets the decisions kind of get made for you. Like you have to pass, you have to pass a certain length, right? Those decisions get made for you in those situations. Um, 
There were some times when O-line just like took some L's though. So we got to, uh, you know, give them their demerits for that. But I also want to give credit to Justin Simmons. Um, like, okay. So Dobbs throws it high to TJ Hawkinson. Okay. So Dobbs bad throw. You got to take your, your share of that. Hawkinson probably has, you, you got to win the, the play, right? Justin Simmons versus TJ Hawkinson on a jump ball. Simmons made the play. Hawkinson didn't. That happened twice, right? However bugged you are by the throw not being accurate versus however bugged you are by Justin Simmons being able to make that play, I think that's up to you. I, you can make that pie chart however you want, but uh, ultimately, play by play, it's like, well, that one, Justin Simmons made a play, and the other one, uh, you know, Garrett Bradbury got beaten. The other one, Josh Dobbs bailed on the pocket and he didn't have to. And the other one, it was this or this or that, right? Um so I think it, it has to go play by play. I don't think I'd put a lot of it on O'Connell, to be honest with you, though. Uh, also from Jacob Conoy, he asks, fans want Madison's head on a stake, but KOC doesn't seem to be wavering from his one drive, one running back, then switch off strategy. What are the pros and cons to this? So he did. Um, the They did have like substitutions in the middle of drives. I thought that was interesting. Pros and cons. Uh, so obviously there's a flexibility thing, right? If you have a play that you really want to bust out right now, but you know what just works better with run, one running back or the other, and like that guy isn't in right now, that can hamstring you a little bit. That's a fairly specific situation, and I don't think it's going to be very common. So it's something, but not a lot. And the, the pro to that is rhythm, right? You you want running backs to feel the rhythm of the game. Running backs have to operate on instinct a lot. They're making decisions and they're reading things out, but a lot of it is just like, I don't know, feel space, take space. And they have to play in the same way that linebackers do and, you know, quick reaction kind of players do, you have to play feeling it and not thinking about it. So rhythm can be pretty substantially important uh, with that. But I don't know. They He did it differently with uh, Ty Chandler than he did with Cam Akers, and that might just be that those two guys are in different headspaces on game day and you're managing it differently. Uh, Cooper Mack says with both running backs causing turnovers, how has Kenny not gotten any work? Does he not know how to block either? Uh, if I recall, yes, I think I recall some issues in pass pro, but don't quote me on that. But all of the vision stuff that we've talked about with Chandler and vision and, and, and Madison, if you think those two guys have had issues in vision, or maybe just one of them has, has had issues in vision, I think Kenny's vision is pretty rough. I think he's really slow to, to read things out. That's the way he was last preseason. And not playing at all in the preseason basically robbed him of the opportunity to prove otherwise, like the best opportunity to prove otherwise. Um, and not playing in the joint practices and all of that stuff. He basically missed all of camp. And that's your chance, right, to actually go in and, and take those reps. Once the depth chart is set for week one, that becomes a really difficult status quo to overturn without there being some kind of injury and really getting that opportunity. Swede's goal says, what does Ty Chandler have to do to improve his pass blocking? Is it a strength issue, recognizing pressure issue? Um, yeah, there were a couple with Chandler where it just was like, ah, yeah, you got to get your weight up, dude. Like you, you did it right. You hit him right, but you just got bowled over. But I think it's consistency more than anything. Cause there's some good pass pro reps on there too. Like some really good pass pro reps. And you just, it's like, all right, yeah, we got four good ones and two bad ones. We just got to get those. We just got to get more to look like the, the, the good four, right? We've seen that you can do everything you have to do, but it's a, it's consistency. And that's, that's what it's going to be with a lot of this stuff. Coach Simons gives us a gleeful change of subject, uh, who says, lots of talk about Madison, Dobbs, etc. How did the Reisner revenge game go? From the stands, he looked a bit lungy and missed a couple big ones. 
uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say it because I don't want to rain on everybody's party. Everybody's got so, got so happy to get Reisner. I don't want to rain on your party, but yeah, man, he got smoked. <laughs> he got smoked last week too. He had a horrible game against the Saints. Uh, he looks like a dude that is was signed as a backup. I think. <laughs> um, and again, it's consistency. There's a lot of really sick reps, but there's just some like pretty ugly L's on there from the whole interior. Everybody, no, nobody is free of sin on the line. Um. Nobody, it's not as bad as it was like a couple years ago, though, where it's like the Dakota Dozier era, where you're like, my God, this dude is like holding the team hostage. It's just that like everybody had their their moments. Um, but yeah, it, it was not uh, not the best that we have seen from him. We've definitely had better games. Let's answer the rest of these questions in just a little bit. Today's Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book for a reason. And part of that reason is that they have all kinds of cool promos going on all the time. So check out FanDuel.com or the FanDuel app periodically. You'll see very cool promos like one I'll tell you about in a second. But the other reason that they are America's number one sports book is that the app is very safe, secure, and easy to use. They pay out instantly when you win. And it's very convenient right there on your phone. Now here's the promo. If you have not yet signed up, on FanDuel and you are thinking about getting started, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make a $5 money line bet. Any $5 money line that you think, pick the heaviest favorite if you want. This still works. You'll get $150 back in bonus bets if that money line bet wins. Any $5 winning money line bet gets you $150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you can get moving on the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's wrap out this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. We will now go to a question from Casey the Coolest, who asks, is there any other reason or metric as to why Hunter isn't in the DPOY convo for most media and betting outlets? Or is it just pure Vikings hate? Uh, look, I think with some of these awards, yeah, publicity has a lot to do with it and the Vikings don't have good PR right now. Uh, they are the, the one, I mean, what is whatever, what's the only thing anybody ever says about the Vikings in the national world, right? Before this Dobbs mania thing happened, it was that they have one less one score games than last year. Last year, they won all the one score games and now it's the one it's, it's all anybody ever talks about. So nobody, no player from the Vikings was ever going to get that recognition. As long as that was the dominant narrative, that's the only thing anyone ever thinks about when they think Vikings, right? Um, now the only thing anyone ever thinks about when they think Vikings is, Hey, this Josh Dobbs dude that didn't know the playbook. That's the only narrative you'll ever hear. And I think that there is some just like laziness around the national media. And I think there has to be, because when you cover 32 teams, you can't go as in depth in all of them as you can on say a daily podcast on the Minnesota Vikings. That is why the locked on thesis is like so cool that we can have just 32 of them that actually talk about the real issues of that. Like, don't listen to me about the Titans. Listen to locked on Titans. Like, I don't know about the Titans nearly as much as Tyler does, right? So that's beautiful. Um, and national media drives, like, stuff like this doesn't drive who is DPOI or not. The national media does. And that's just, it's kind of an unfortunate, not very fair, but fairly consistent thing about the NFL. Um, but I think you could also argue that, like, I don't know, man, Miles Garrett's probably just better. Like, he's Miles Garrett. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> Max Crosby is having this major season where there's nothing else really going on for the Raiders. They fired their coach, but they've got this one standout that's, you know, having that that looks so much better compared to everything else that's going so poorly in, in Vegas. 
Like, Daniil Hunter is the sack leader. He does incredible things all year long. I, I'll stack him up against anybody out there. But I get it, man. Pittsburgh Steelers are, are a little bit more darlings, and they always will be. Chris Donald asks, does the uncertainty at QB make it impossible to re-sign Jefferson? No, I don't think the uncertainty at QB is, is top 10 on the list of things that are going to, to, to drive where Jefferson's contract ends up. Right now, here's the reporting on Jefferson's contract, if you missed it. Uh, the last thing that happened at the end of camp was that Jefferson and his side of things said, here is a contract offer. We would sign this deal. What do you guys think? Quasi and company mulled it over, said, this, we're not satisfied with this yet. Let's go back to the drawing board. I think that's an important detail. The last thing that happened was Jefferson offering the Vikings. He wants to be here. His camp wants to be here. Um, and they got close, I think. They just have to pick this back up. But from, I think Florio was the only person that had anything remotely close to reporting on this. So take it for however much you trust Florio on, this, on these kinds of matters. But uh, he said that it was about like guaranteed structure and rolling guaranteed structure. It's a money thing. And I'll tell you right now, having done this for a few years now and having talked to people who have done this for a lot more years, it's always a money thing until it isn't. It is always a money thing until it is expressly clarified that it is not. If, if nothing has been said, you can safely assume it is a money thing. You will not be led astray very often. Um, it's about guaranteed salary, and hopefully they'll figure that out in February and find a good middle ground. Chris asks, do you think we will ever move toward chip tracking the football instead of just a visual spot? Um, so we do have a chip in the football, right? You can see it on like the next gen stats and the dots and all that stuff. So we, we do have that. Uh, but what I will say is the problem with a spot is it's really hard to tell when the knee is down. Or when forward progress is stopped, that's just a whistle, right? It's really hard to line that up with any kind of computer software. You'd have to also have uh, chips in the knee pads, and they'd also have to have impact sensors, but they'd have to be able to tell the difference between the ground and just being impacted on another player. Like, there's a lot of logistical things that make that difficult to execute. And not only do you have to, like, set, set up that system, but it has to be reliable enough where you can treat it like law. Because the NFL isn't going to want to have these moments where, yeah, the chip said this, but we saw he was here. That defeats the whole purpose, right? You're adding that subjectivity right back in. If you want to get that subjectivity out, the system has to be fairly flawless and the technology has not really grown to that point yet. Will we ever? I don't know, man. Like Kyle Shanahan said once, I don't know if we're going to be alive on Sunday. Who knows what happens a bajillion years into the future. Maybe Rocco's Basilisk will consume us all. Uh, Noah Hansen says, KFC went into this year wanting to pair an aggressive offense with an aggressive defense. Defense is holding up their end of the bargain while the offense has become conservative with the tiniest of leads. Excluding Kirk's injury, why is that? Well, Kirk's injury has a lot to do with it. Uh, but even before Kirk, it did happen some. I would say pay attention to the win probability, like with, with the Saints. Um, I don't think that O'Connell was like hyper conservative in this one. I think he punted once when maybe he shouldn't have, which you can criticize, but I don't think that that's like a larger trend at all. It was just one. Um, it, but if you want to go back to the Saints game, they were playing to the win probability. It's very much, you know, a 99% chance to win by two is preferable to a 75% chance to win by 14. Um, that's you, you're, you're looking at, you, you just need to win, right? You don't, you don't need the, uh, you can let him have two touchdowns and still kind of not really be in that much danger. So I don't, I, that there's a logic to it, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, that 
while frustrating to watch, might be uh, defensible. Thor asks, KOC is a good coach, but in-game play calling seems to be a separate skill. Do you think the offense would do better with a more experienced play caller? Uh, maybe, but who was who would that be? Like, if you want to bring in some old guy that doesn't really get it uh, and doesn't get what KOC is trying to do, you're probably just adding an unnecessary cook to the kitchen. I think what, what O'Connell has right now is vision. I think he understands what he's going for. And he can call the plays in such a way that like he doesn't have to communicate his vision to anybody else because he understands it. And I think that streamlined thing is probably better. I don't think there's been an issue with play sequencing at all. You might disagree with like running on second and 10 or whatever, and you can have that debate. But I don't think that there's an operational issue with um, like selecting and sequencing the plays. Now there's an op operational issue with getting the plays in, but adding another voice to that room is only going to make that worse. Uh, Eric the red says, what percentage of our plays on offense should be snaps to someone who isn't a quarterback? I think it's really awesome and cool. when the Vikings do stuff like snap to TJ Hawkinson, toss to Josh Dobbs. Even if that particular play ended poorly is adding more of that stuff sustainable. Love that you have avoided the results oriented thinking, Eric, the red, I can tell you're a hashtag every day. Um, so, well, here's what I think is happening. It comes from Landon Renly. Landon Renly sees the vision. He asks, was the Dobbs fumble on the sweep worth the 60-yard touchdown he's going to throw to Addison off the fake of it? My answer to that is if it happens against Detroit, yes, because those are the two most important games left on the schedule. The rest of them are, are kind of afterthoughts, I think. Those two against Detroit are going to decide everything for the Vikings. Um, even if you lose the rest of them, you could still end up in at eight and nine just off of the, off of tiebreakers. Vikings are going to have good tiebreakers this year because most of their losses are in the AFC. Um, so yeah, even if you lose a whole bunch of the rest of them, win those two in Detroit, you're probably feeling pretty good. So bust them out then or in the playoffs if applicable. Um, but that's, that's what's going on there. So what percentage of plays as many as you think are required to set up the real payoff that you're going for. But I think doing it like once or twice a game is probably already pushing it. Like this is definitely not, this is a sometimes food. This is not the, like a place to live unless you're the Tony Sperano 2008 dolphins, but that's a whole different can of worms. Uh, tomorrow we're, so this week's going to be a little weird. I'm going to try to get as much done ahead of time as possible. So you might have some outdated info and like the crossover and stuff, but uh, like we're probably going to do that before injury reports are out because then I'm going to be out in the sticks. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted. I'll do some film review stuff tomorrow and then we'll do the crossover on Thursday, which, uh, it'll, it'll be up. It'll be, I mean, it's Thanksgiving, so please enjoy your holiday, but it'll be there for you to get to whenever you get to it in the weekend. And then we'll do bold predictions and stuff probably on Monday morning. Um, cause I don't think I'm going to want to do this on like on Thanksgiving, like record on Thanksgiving to have a Friday show. We'll just do the bold predictions and stuff on Monday morning. That's how I'm thinking, but we'll see how the week goes. See y'all for that. And as always, skull.